welcome to 5% Radio, where it's all about learning like no one else today so you can live like no one else tomorrow. Please be sure to share and subscribe. What is up and welcome back to another episode of the 5% Radio Podcast. Today is Can You Believe It? episode number 44, and I want to talk to you about burning mental bridges, closing the exits, eliminating the plan B mentality that 95% of people will tell you it's quote-unquote wise, and three ways you can start using this to help you move forward in your life right now. So I want to get into the episode with a really quick story, and then we will uh, continue from there. So this is probably something that you have heard uh, misquoted or uh, maybe told the wrong way or, you know, kind of people stretch the story and they they make it sound more exciting than it really was. But so back in the late 1400s, so this is a very, very, very long time ago, uh, there was a man born and he actually was a Spanish conqueror who led the conquest of Mexico. His name was Hernan Cortes. And like all other conquests of that of Mexico, it was not easy, and, and he had to face a lot of different dangerous unknowns in the land. And I want you to imagine being a foreign explorer, or being someone who was exploring a territory that was largely unconquered, unknown, just this basically wilderness, and you're going there to to conquer it. You you may know a little bit about the people there, you may not. You have no clue uh, where the enemy is at, or, or what they know, what they don't know. But anyway, so... He's going in to this territory. He's a Spanish conqueror. Now, he's probably done this before, but he's in this territory, and the problems that were being caused by his own soldiers were um, also adding to everything else going on. But there was a certain moment of the exploration in Mexico, and Cortez and his men were near the sea, and he wanted to continue the expedition. He wanted to go further inland partly to discover new territories and, and partly to get away from his rival, who I believe was was possibly coming up behind them or was going to meet them somewhere close to where they were, and he knew that. The guy's name was uh, Diego Valesquez. I could have totally butchered the last name, but that's okay. You guys understand that I don't speak uh, no hablo espanol. So I, I speak a little bit, but I don't speak, like, phenomenal Spanish. I know enough to, like, can I have a fork? Where's the restroom? And how are you? That sort of thing. Um, anyway, so this other guy, this other conqueror, Diego was in Cuba, but he knew that they were going to end up facing off, and his sailors, who accompanied Cortez, so Cortez is the guy that I started talking about, his sailors did not want to go further inland, they did not want to continue the the exploration, and they were afraid of the dangers that could be on the interior of the country, meaning leaving the beach and going further and further and further inland, because at that point, they they get far enough in that it's super hard for them to retreat, so Cortez, actually, to prevent his men from retreating, and uniting with his enemy possibly and saying, hey, we'll, we'll surrender. We just don't want to fight. A lot of people say that he burned the ships. And this is where the, the saying, oh, burn the ships. And they put it on t-shirts and all this other stuff. Man, it sounds so good. But he actually just went and sank the ships. So he didn't sink all of them, but he, he did go sink a lot of his ships. So if you think about this, in a way, the the movement backwards by his men back into the ships to to compromise with the enemy, anything else could really be viewed as a plan B. And basically what Cordes was doing in this story is he wanted to make sure that there was no plan B in the minds of his men. So basically it's fight or die at this point. It's either you continue or you don't make it. Like there's, there's no real other option. And many times in your journey towards your goals and your dreams, there, there has to come a point mentally. I, I heard a guy uh, speak recently and he is absolutely just crushing it in, uh, in the passive income project that I'm working on. But so he's an ex-Amish guy and he has been just 
absolutely just demolishing it. He, he was already making at three or four grand a week on the active income side of things that the 95% employee or self-employed, that side of the quadrant that I mentioned in episodes four and five, he was already doing well there. I mean, if you're making, you know, 12 to 16 grand a month, I mean, he, he got debt free pretty quickly. He had a lot of money in the bank. He was, he was doing well. Um, but he, he wasn't living the the goals and the dreams that he wanted to. And he kind of woke up one day and came to himself and realized, you know what, like I'm, I'm really far from where I could be, where I want to be. And, and honestly, where, where I'm supposed to be, where, where I feel that I've been called to be in my life. And, and he, he came to this epiphany and realized, I've just got to start doing more. Like I've, I've got to put more into this. I've, I've got to make this happen for me. I, I've got to get to the point where I can be financially free, where I can live a 5% lifestyle. And one of the things he talked about was was just getting so far in that it didn't make sense to quit. Vince Lombardi, one of the most successful coaches in NFL history, he was coaching the uh, the Green Bay Packers, led them to just a ridiculous amount of success. They were one of the worst teams in the league, like literally the bottom of the barrel at the time that he took them on as his team and just absolutely dominated with the Green Bay Packers, made them what they are today, built a legacy, left a legacy, and people still quote and talk about him today. There's so many books written about him. I'm going through one right now, but one of the things that he was known for, and this is really proving that guy's point that I was listening to speak, he said, the harder you work, the harder it is to surrender, meaning the further in you go, the harder it is for you to quit because you've put so much in. And and there's there's a saying in sailing that that they were past the point of no return. I want you to think about this in the analogy of if you're driving a car and you're running out of gas, there, there comes a point when you are far enough from the last gas station that it does not make sense for you to go back and you don't know where the next one is. Let's say you didn't have GPS, you didn't have any way to find out, hey Siri, where's the where's the closest gas station? Like there's none of that. Okay, Google, where's the closest gas station? Like you can't do any of that kind of stuff and you just know that I'm far enough away from the last one that there's no possible way that I can make it back. I have to keep going. There's no plan B. And sailors back in the time when, you know, old wooden ships and throwing sails up and Christopher Columbus and that, back in that kind of stuff, Pirates of the Caribbean type days, they would reach a point of no return, meaning we're far enough away from a port that we don't have enough food and water to make it back. Like our, our rations are gone. We're at the point of no return. So either we keep going and we make it to land or we starve. Like if we turn around, we die. If we keep going, there's a chance that we die, but we know for sure that if we turn around that we're not going to make it. And they would they would reach this point of no return and many successful expeditions, explorations that the men were practically, you know, about to commit mutiny on the captain and throw him overboard. And they were just furious because they were at the point of no return and they knew that, but the captain chose to keep going because he knew that there's no possible way that we can make it back. We're all going to die if we try to make it back right now, if we try to retreat, if we if we try to say, you know what, let's just put it in reverse. Let's let's just go back. Hey, what we were doing before wasn't really that bad. We put this in modern terms. Let, going back to my job, I mean, it's not really, it's not that bad. I was paying my bills or, or man, you know what, if, if we were just to do this or, you know, my, my wife and I both work and I mean, the kids can go to daycare. It wouldn't really be, it wouldn't really be that big of a deal. And, and whatever your dream is, if you just step that down a couple notches and you try to justify that to yourself and rationalize, you tell yourself, rational lies. You know, it, it really wouldn't be that bad. And, and and you begin to go on this mental journey of, you know, going backwards intentionally, willingly. It really can't be that bad, can it? So you, you've got to take quitting off the table. There was a, this is a true story. Um, we had a big party at a pond or a lake. I don't even know where it was um, with the CrossFit gym when I was coaching uh, here in uh, the town that I live in. And we had a big party with the CrossFit gym and the owner was there and a bunch of the coaches were there and it was just a bunch of dudes. And uh, a buddy of mine, his name is Zach. 
he's like, hey, you, you want to swim to, uh, there, there was a, what we thought was a buoy. It was actually just a marker. Like, I mean, just basically a, a floating plastic ball. And he's like, hey, let's, let's swim out to that and then swim back. And uh, I'm a coach at this point. I was leaner and in better shape than I've ever been in my life. Uh, I worked out two or three times a day, six, seven days a week. Sometimes I would work out for a month straight, multiple times a day before taking a day off. Like I was, I was in great shape, uh, pretty much ate whatever I wanted. I could go uh, smash some fast food and crush a workout and still feel great. I was just, I was in good shape. I ate what I wanted. I slept really well, did all kinds of supplements. Uh, this was before we had a, uh, a kid and I could actually sleep eight to nine hours a night every single night. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a, it's a fair trade. I love having kids, but anyway, so my buddy Zach is like, Hey, let's, let's go out there, swim around that and then swim back. And I'm like, Hey, that sounds great. So, you know, we go down to basically just briefs cause it's just a bunch of dudes. So we go down to, you know, briefs, boxers, whatever we get out there and we're about 70% of the way to this marker, which I thought was a buoy. And I am planning on resting on this buoy. Zach had already got there and turned around. Now, keep in mind, Zach is a bigger guy. Like, he's probably, I don't know, 240, 260, and only a few inches taller than me. I'm five foot three. So let's say that he was five foot seven, five foot eight, and he's 260. So, like, he's he's a big boy. Like, nothing, nothing, nothing bad about it. He had lost a ton of weight, was doing awesome, um, still on that journey. But uh, he was a bigger guy. And I'm thinking, okay, if he can swim out there and come back, then I must be fine. So we get out about 70% of the way. So I'm I'm past the halfway on the first journey. Follow me? So like we're getting there and then coming back. So I'm over halfway on the there part. And I I also had to come back. I get there and he had already reached it and he's like starting to swim away. He's like, how you doing? I'm like, I'm not doing good. My heart's redlining. I'm just, you know, heart's racing out of my chest. I'm just, (sighs) I'm just gasping for air. Like I was, I was completely gassed, like nothing left in the tank because I didn't actually, I wasn't a good swimmer. I was in great shape, but I didn't use my legs when I swam. So I was actually not a great swimmer. And uh, this was back in 2015, I believe. And so now keep in mind, this is the same exact year that I placed. There were uh, 178,000 men in the CrossFit Open, which is like a uh, national competition where you can all compete. And then from the open, you go to regionals from regionals, you go to, um, basically the CrossFit game. So I had placed, I think it was, uh, number 1067 or 1068 out of 178,000 men. So like I was in, I was in really, really, really good shape. We're not even halfway there. I get there. He's like, how you doing? I'm like, I'm not doing good. I put my hand on the marker, like just that little floating orange plastic ball. I put my hand on that and like it went under with just putting my hand on it. Now I was planning on getting to that thing and clinging to it for dear life while I got wind back in my lungs and got my heart rate back down below 200, you know, like all jokes aside, I was in bad shape and I was looking at the shore across from us because I knew that I couldn't make it back. And I'm looking at the shore across from us and I'm thinking, okay, I might be able to get back there. Like I I might be able to continue swimming and get to that. It was maybe uh, 30% of the distance that I'd already swam. And I'm 100% gassed. Zach is swimming away and he's like, come on, let's go. How you doing? And I'm like, dude, you got to come back. Like I'm, I'm yelling at him at this point. You got to come back. There is no possible way that I can continue swimming. I have nothing left in the tank. Like I'm redlined. I've, I've never had a panic attack in my life. I don't get anxiety. I don't deal with any of that. I'm a very level-headed guy. This was one time that I just totally lost it. Like, um, so Zach swims back and is, uh, is more or less like supporting me, helping me stay up. And I am trying not to freak out and pull him under. Cause I'm, I'm like, well, okay, we can both drown or I can try to calm down. And I'm screaming 
it's a true story, guys. I'm screaming for them to bring the boat because the the owner of the CrossFit gym, uh, one of the other guys, his name is Aaron, he's a cop, and a few other guys had jumped in the boat. Scott starts the boat up, the guy whose lake house we were at, and they're they're coming out. And I can remember just the feeling of relief knowing that they were coming to pull me out of the water. Like just because I was I was so, so, so close to grounding. And I can remember the rest of that day, I was so close to drowning. The rest of that day, I'm reflecting on all kinds of different things of, man, that I really, did I make this decision right? And do I, do I really want this? And man, I made this choice six months ago and is like, am I settled on this? And what am I doing with my life? And there, there were so many different things. Like you hear the whole, oh, my life flashed before my eyes. And it sounds so corny, but really like it it was a near death experience. I questioned a lot of things and I, I made it. I didn't drown. Obviously I'm here speaking to you today, but it was, it was close. If Zach had not come back to get me, I'm 100% convinced if Zach had not come back to get me, I would have died. So, uh, in, you know, trying to repay him for saving my life, I saw him later in line at Chipotle and I did the only right thing to do. I bought him lunch. I'm like, there you go, man. Like we're even, you saved my life. I bought you a burrito. So, um, but that's a true story. Like I, I, I totally would have gone under, but there was no, there was no plan B. There was no, I'll just, I'll try to swim back. Like there was nothing I could have done other than wait for that boat. And some of you are at a point where there is nothing that you really have to go back to. There's, there's no way that you can go across to the other side. You're, you're stuck where you're at the other side being retreat somehow to get out of the water. Like what you're doing, you're so far into it that there's no possible way you can quit. You've got so much skin in the game that there's no way it makes sense for you to quit. And if you're not there yet, I was way, way, way over the point of no surrender. I was way past. Like, there, there was nothing else that I could have done other than stick it out and wait for that boat to come. You've got to take quitting off the table. And I'm not saying just, you know, make yourself unhirable. I'm not saying to, to trash your resume. I'm not saying to burn every bridge and every relationship that you have with any previous employer or make sure that you'll never be able to get a job anywhere in the town that you live in again. Like, I'm not saying any of that. I'm not saying any of that. But you've got to get to a point where quitting is mentally off the table. But there, there have been so many times along this journey of building passive income already. And even just the other day, like we're just in a spot right now where things are extremely frustrating. And sometimes things work well and sometimes they don't. But like I talked about in the last episode, you've just got to continue pushing through the frustration, doing it when you feel like it, doing it when you don't feel like it, and just continuing the process day in and day out. You've got to become a professional in the process of whatever you do. I'll, I'll do a whole another episode on, on just that topic right there, becoming a professional at the process of whatever you do. But you've got to get to a place where you take quitting off the table. See, the dichotomy of success Meaning like just the, the weird thing that the two total opposites of success that really don't make sense is this. Why do average people quit when they fail and successful people fail until they succeed? Because you, you've, you, you've got a requirement in success to fail and fail and fail and fail. That There is a requirement for you to do something and it not work and do something and it not work and over and over and over and over and over again. And I don't really know why it's the way that it is, but success has a way of weeding out the weak people. I don't say that to be harsh, but if you meet someone that's really made it in something, there's almost no one that you'll meet that will tell you, oh, it was easy. It was great. Yeah, money was always, it was always abundant and uh, things were never tight. There was no stress. Uh, there was never a time where we almost went bankrupt or where we had negative cash flow. There was, there was never a month when, when, you know, just 
everything hit the fan. Like, things went super well. It was easy. I would do it a hundred times over. Like, it was a cakewalk. Like, that almost never happens. You meet someone who's lost a hundred pounds, they're not going to be like, oh yeah, no, I I never plateaued. I never gained weight back. Like, I just, I just dropped weight. Every day I got on the scale, I dropped weight. I felt great. The gym always felt good. The workouts were good. And, you know, my mile time kept getting faster and the time kept going down. The weights kept going up that I was lifting at the gym. And man, I, I really enjoyed having no cheat days for six months in a row. And man, things were awesome. You meet someone that's been married 50 years, they're not going to be like, yeah, it's the easiest thing in the world. You meet someone who's raised successful kids, they're going to talk to you about sacrifice. You meet someone who's healthy, they're going to talk to you about sacrifice. You meet someone who's in great shape, they're going to talk to you about sacrifice. You meet someone who's absolutely ridiculously rich and they did not inherit it, they made it themselves. They're going to talk to you about sacrifice, about hard work, about all the things they had to do that they did not want to do. They will talk to you about the times that it didn't make sense. When the 95 percenters were telling them, It'd be wise for you to have a plan B. You should really have a backup plan. Have you thought this through? What if that doesn't work? Are you going to have anything to fall back on? All the crap that we're all going to hear on the way to getting our goals and dreams, every single person that's made it has gone through it. And understand this, if you're always succeeding, if you're always making it, if you're always progressing, if things are always going well and and you set a goal and it happens and you make a plan and it happens and, and if you continually just go up, 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 nothing ever goes backwards, then your your goals and your dreams are too small. You're not stretching yourself to grow enough. If I worked out every single day, Monday through Saturday, six days a week, and every single time I PR'd my mile, every time I run a mile, I PR. That means I probably waited a ridiculously long time from the last time I ran a mile and timed it to try to break a record to the next time. If every single time I attempted a new rep total, meaning, okay, I'm going to take this weight and I'm going to hit it for 10 reps, and I hit it every single time, it means I'm not pushing myself hard enough. Every single time I go in the gym, I set records. I Like, the workout's easy. If the workout's easy, I'm not building any muscle. You hear these people talk about, oh, I'm just toning. I'm just just trying to firm some things up. I'm just toning. I'm just, you know, working out like I use lightweight high reps. And, and I'm doing this stupid voice because that drives me crazy as a personal trainer. Like, that's that's not the way that it goes. But you'll hear people talk about this. And, like, your muscle has to have resistance to grow. Success is the same way. You have to have resistance to grow as a person. So what? So what's what's the key takeaway of this episode? Number one, something being scary, hard, or horrible to face does not justify quitting. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean that it's okay for you to back out, for you to retreat, for you to say, you know what, this isn't for me. Like that, That's not okay. You have to be willing to push through resistance and to push through things that are difficult that you don't want to do to get to the other side. I had to be willing to wait for the boat to come so I wouldn't drown because really there was no plan B. Number two is don't listen to the 95 percenters, the average people telling you to have a plan B, a backup plan, a quote unquote, just in case something doesn't work out. Don't, don't listen to that. Sell out to your dreams and goals. Sell out and get so much skin in the game. The harder you work, the harder it is to surrender. Get so much skin in the game. Be so far in that there's no possible way that you could let yourself quit. Number three, this is super important right here. Don't miss this. Stop viewing failure as a sign that maybe you're not cut out for, insert whatever you're doing here. And remember that successful people, the 5% fail over and over and over and over again until they finally succeed so big that it doesn't make sense to people that weren't willing to push through the failure. 
So here's how you can start implementing this right now. Stop letting your thoughts go towards retreat. Stop letting your thoughts go towards retreat. When that comes into your brain, when that little voice comes in saying, you know, maybe you should quit. Maybe this isn't for you. Maybe, maybe you should back out. Maybe you should go back to a job. Maybe you should start this. Maybe, maybe this, maybe this isn't meant for you. Maybe this, maybe there's something easier than this. I, I bet if you were to quit this, you could find something better. Stop allowing those thoughts to come in. If you don't understand that, then go back to episode number one, where I talked about thoughts, feelings, actions, results, that cycle that controls your life. Go back and listen to that again, but you've got to get to a place where you can learn to get those thoughts out of your head and take quitting off the table. So learn how to do that. Go listen to that episode again. If it takes a few times, that's completely fine. But listen to that. Learn how to master that. I'll do more mindset episodes in the future because that's so important. But here's my challenge to you. Give more. Seek more failure. Seek to fail more often. Seek to reach your limits faster and more regularly than you have been recently. Find ways to break the machine, so to speak. Find things in your process, things in your business, things in your routines. Find things that, okay, man, this is not working anymore. How can I change that? Because if you change something because it's not working anymore, it means that you will automatically start going towards that next level. If it's working, don't change it. Leave it. You can try to improve it, but if it's working, don't say, well, I'll stop doing that. But find ways to give more, seek failure more often, and find a way to get yourself mentally to the point where you sink the boats, so to speak, you've reached the point of no return, that there's no plan B, there's no retreat, you've got to make it. The harder you work, the harder it is to surrender. One last thing here before you go, guys. My number one goal in creating this show is to reach and positively impact as many people as possible. And I I do appreciate when people reach out to me and they leave reviews and things like that, that, man, the show has really helped me. But the biggest thing that you can do to reach more people with the information that's personally changed my life, that's hopefully changing your life and that's changed the lives of countless others is to share the show. So that being said, if you found today's episode helpful in any way or any other previous episode or future episode of this show, please be sure to pay it forward and share this with someone else so it can impact their life as well. All that being said, I will talk to you next time on the 5% Radio Podcast in episode number 45.